I've, uh, I've tried my best not to be nervous, but it's not working. <laughs> uh, uh, if y'all all want to stand and honor the reading of the word, I'm going to be reading uh, out of the book of Exodus tonight. Exodus 26, or 24 and 6, I mean. Tonight we were told that uh, we wouldn't have a lot of time and that we uh, probably wouldn't we probably shouldn't give honor, but uh, before the service started, us guys got together, and me being first, uh, I'm going to take some of my time and give honor to our great leadership. Um, uh, sometimes, sometimes I feel like we take advantage of our leadership because we we don't see just how great they are, but they take the time to make all this work. They take the time to pay the bills. None of this will be here without the leadership we have. And all, I think all of us guys can agree in saying that it's, a, it's our honor to be able to do this. And we thank each and every one of y'all for letting us do this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get into the word. Uh, again, Exodus 24 and 6, it says, And Moses took half of the blood and put it into ba basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And tonight, um, y'all just give me a minute. I got to set a timer or we'll be here all night. <laughs> but um, that's a timer started. My thought tonight is what interests me about this verse is um, not the first half. It says, and Moses took all, took half of the blood and put it into basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And I took the time to look up what basins are and it's bowls. I just think about like woven like hay and straw, just bowls full of blood. And but my, my, my interest tonight is half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. We see that Moses split the blood. And my thought is a relationship with God is required to live the right way and to get into heaven. Now, I'm going to try and break it down as fast as I can. But... That being said, a relationship takes, sorry, y'all can be seated. <laughs> that being said, a relationship takes dedication. You can't have a relationship without giving time to the person you want to have a relationship with. Now, one of the three meanings of a relationship is the state of being connected by blood or marriage. And so, I'm going to talk tonight about blood. Um, Moses sprinkled blood on the altar to make a blood covenant, it says in the Bible. The, at this point in the verses, it's when, it's right before Moses went and got the commandments. Um, it was Moses and Aaron and 70 elders, and they were on a, a little bit higher than everybody else, but they weren't at the top of the mountain. The top of the mountain only Moses was able to go to. 
And that's where he went and got the commandments. But an altar is a place of miracles. An altar is a place where you get things, it seems like nothing else will, you can get. I mean, you can come here and you can get everything you need. You can get time with God. You can feel his presence. You can get a miracle. You can get a blessing. If something's wrong with your body, you can come get it. You can come get what you need here. And an altar, sometimes, I guess most of the time we think of an altar as right where I'm standing. An altar where you can, you, you come and you think of it as a physical place. But I was thinking this week, an altar, it doesn't always have to be a physical place. It can be a spiritual place, a meeting place with the one true king. And that's what we need in our lives today. Now, I know tonight that we aren't going to be killing any oxen and throwing it on the altar. But that, that's one thing that I kind of thought on. We don't have to. There's, there was a God who thousands of years ago laid down his perfect life so that all we have to do is come and repent. We, we don't have to sacrifice anything but our time and our effort. And I think that, I think that some of us, we, we can give a little time to God if we need something. I mean, someone, Brother V said a few weeks ago that he always sees He's, there's always someone at the church praying, and I know that since COVID we haven't been able to do that, but prayer isn't, it's not supposed to be an obligation. It's not supposed to be something that you have to do, and it's a privilege is what it is. I got off track, but I'm sorry. <laughs> so, my, what he what he did, what God did for us, no one else can do. Amen. And so, a place of relationship is right here. Um, there's there's not enough words in this world to describe what you can get in this place right here. There's a song that says, "I just can't find the words." I'm telling you, you think about it. You can, you can list off every word, and you won't be enough to describe how good God is. And I know most of the time we come to church, and it's great. Church is always great. I love church. I know some back a little while ago that I did it, but I love church now, and it's great. And so... I know after Sunday's over, we go into our week Wednesday, or Monday, not Wednesday. We go into our week, and it's Monday. And I'll tell you, Mondays are the worst. Y'all all know this. I, I feel like Monday's the worst is because we just got out of the best times in our lives, and the devil knows he has to do something about it. And so Monday comes, and it's horrible. Tuesday comes, it's horrible. Wednesday's here. Everybody loves Wednesdays. Tonight's Wednesday. We're at church. But there's another verse that I want to talk about, and I'm coming to a close. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
And it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But ye with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. A, a while ago, I saw that verse, and it spoke to me. That right there is a verse of hope. You, you go through bad times, but somebody else already got through what you're going through. Why can't you? And you, you got an addiction. Somebody else went through that addiction. So you got something in your body. Somebody else already made it. And so, as Brother Sergio is going to come, I want to leave you all with this. There's not a thing in this world that can stop this church if we don't let it. There's not a thing that can hinder us if we don't let it. Thank you. Amen, amen. Wasn't that a wonderful word? Yes, sir. I love Brother Aaron. I love Brother Aaron. I know he's already done it, but I just want to give honor to my pastor and his family. Uh, Brother V, I want to give honor to my youth pastor, Austin Hughes, and his family. And I also want to give honor to my bishop, because as young people, they believe in us, and they see a future within us, and I'm glad they give us the opportunity to come up here and preach. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. Amen. All right, well, I just started my timer, so I've got to get going. So I feel like God laid on my heart that perhaps someone in here needed to hear about Jesus' name, baptism. Can I preach about Jesus' name, baptism? All right, all right, yeah. I'm going to need you guys to help me preach, all right? So the scripture that I'm going to be um, speaking from today, and you guys don't have to stand for the sake of time, will be Acts 19, verse 3. So to give you some context, a few verses before this verse, the Bible says that John has found, or Paul has found certain disciples. And he asked them a very important question, and this, is, and the, this question is going to be centered around my theme tonight for Jesus' name, baptism. He says, he says, finding certain disciples, and he said unto them, unto what then were ye baptized? And those certain disciples said, unto John's baptism. Now I want to start off by saying, preaching Jesus' name baptism should never be exhausted in our church. It should never, yeah. Amen. Jesus' name baptism is the foundation in which every single one of us is to build off of. Now, I know it is argued and it is disputed all over Christendom whether baptism is even necessary for salvation. And furthermore, if Jesus' name baptism is necessary for salvation. Well, I'm here to tell you all that name, Jesus' name baptism is still necessary for salvation. Amen. Amen. But now, before I get into the meat of this, I want to I wanna agree with you guys. I hope that we can all agree that you must be baptized in order to be saved. If you don't believe that, you may just need to read your Bible some more. Because the word in John 3 tells us that a man cannot enter or see the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. Paul writes in Corinthians, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, sir. But James also tells us, he, said, he says in James... I believe it is, uh, oh man, lost a spot. <laughs> it is, um, and James, he says, thou dost believe that there is one God. Thou dost well. Well, the devils also believe, and they tremble. And he, what, he, what he's saying that, of, uh, what, what his context is from that, is saying that faith without works is dead. Because, see, you can believe, but the Bible commands us to be baptized. So if all you do is believe, you have demon-like faith. 
All you have is demon-like faith if, if, if you don't be baptized in Jesus' name. How you're baptized is very important. It's almost more important than being baptized itself. You can be baptized in any other name, but it won't matter if it's not the name of Jesus. Because Ephesians 3 and 5 says that there's only one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. So that means there's only one way to be baptized. And Ephesians 3.15 tells us that the whole family in heaven and in earth is named after Jesus' name. So Paul asked these disciples, and he says, Unto what are you baptized? And they told him they, they, that they were baptized into John's baptism, if you keep reading in Acts 19. But it didn't matter, because they needed to have that name applied to them. Because once again, all of heaven and earth is named under that name, and that's the name of Jesus. Yes, there's no salvation in any other. You don't have Jesus until you get baptized in the name of Jesus. All right? And you say, well, I need you to prove that, Sergio. So if Sister Michelle get Galatians 3.27 up there. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ. I didn't hear that. One more time. Christ. A little bit louder. Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You don't have Jesus till you get baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the word right there. I've always found it phenomenal that people will pray for their families in Jesus' name. People will pray for their finances in Jesus' name. People will pray for their marriages in Jesus' name, but they won't get baptized in Jesus' name. They, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit, but in the name of Jesus. Acts 2.38. I could go on and on about Jesus' name baptism. I love preaching this stuff and teaching it. I love doctrine. But let me just ask you this. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name... Just like the eunuch asked himself in Acts 8.36, what does hinder me to be baptized? I ask you this question. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, what hinders you from being baptized tonight? What hinders you from going under the water? Because only the name can remit the sins that you deal with. Only the name can lift off the burden and the baggage and the weight that you carry. Only the name can, you he can heal you from your infirmities. Only the name can break your addiction. Only the name can restore you. I'm preaching Jesus' name. Somebody shout with me. Come on. I'm preaching Jesus' name here. I'm preaching Jesus' name. The word tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. One more time. Christ. I know I get old, but one more time. Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you go under that water and you come back up, you're not the same that who you were before you went into the water. You have Jesus' name applied to your life after you come back up. Amen. Amen. If the church in Acts 2.38 began baptizing in Jesus' name and 3,000 were converted to the church, what makes us think that anything has changed today? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If, he, if you had to be baptized in Jesus' name, then you have to do it today. And that's the word. So as Brother Devin makes his way up, I'll leave you with one question. Until what were you baptized? Just as I, as I began this, this little five-minute sermon, I ask you the question, until what were you baptized? And I'll leave you with this verse. It's Acts 4.12. Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen. Brother Sergio for that word. It wasn't an amazing word. Amen. 
For the sake of time, I'm not going to ask you all to stand, but I'm, I am reading from the book of Acts, chapter 16. Y'all going to stand anyway? Okay. <laughs> and it reads, and it came to pass as we went to, to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. I forgot to start the sermon. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which sue us unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul grieved, turned, and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them unto the marketplace of the, unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs where are no, not, law, law, not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, receiving such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. Thank you. You can be seated. I'll start by I know I have a limited time, so I'm going to try to be as quick as possible, but there's a battle in the spiritual realm every second, every hour, seven days a week, and 24 hours a day. And whether we realize it or not, God has kept us. Somebody in here owes him a praise. Whether if it was the trials or troubles itself, or whether it was the depression itself that followed, we owe him a praise because he has been a keeper through it all. And if you got a praise on the inside, I dare you to lift up your voice in this place. I dare you to open your mouth. Let everything that has breath praise you, the Lord. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Amen. The enemy has been roaming this earth for too long, thinking that he has us defeated and thinking that he's actually doing something. And we sit around focusing on our problems, and we sit around focusing on ourselves and are more concerned about a circumstance instead of focusing on what's important. And we pray and seek a way out when it's obvious that we have one of the most powerful weapons. Brother Justice, you, you, you brought this up to me one day, and I didn't really realize it until you said it. That weapon is praise and worship. Praise and worship is the way out of the pit. Crying out to God is the way out of the pit. The devil, the devil may have thrown an anxiety at you, will lift up a praise. The devil may have brought an addiction your way, will lift up a praise. The devil may have thrown fornication in your face, will lift up a praise. The devil may have thrown situations into your life where you don't feel accepted. Know that you are enough and let out a praise. Heavy burdens, here is my praise. Cancer, here is my praise. Depression, here is my praise. Hatred, here is my praise. Envy, here is my praise. Jealousy, here is my praise. Amen, amen. Let me tell you something. The devil has a migraine headache each and every time somebody steps foot into this place because he knows what's bound to happen at these very altars. Hell trembles at the sound of a spoken tongue as the Spirit gives utterance. Hell shakes at the tremble of, of the, at the sound of Jesus' name. Hell shakes and panics when you open your eyes in the morning, and it shakes even worse at altar call. Why? Because worship and praise is put into place. But we have a problem. It caught my attention not too long ago. There's a spirit that lurks in many of our lives, and it needs to be addressed because it causes us to worship and give honor to the devil for his workings. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but it's true. And the problem is that we give the devil too much authority. We give the devil too much power. We give the devil, we give Satan too much credit. We worry about Satan too much, and we don't realize that he's irrelevant. 
we sit around long enough and we have some trials and troubles and we tend to be so focused on those and we lose insight on what we're supposed to be focused on. We lose our mind as soon as trouble knocks on our door. We scream and shout in these altars and then we forget who God is when the devil screams and shouts and stirs up some trouble in our lives. And I'm just wondering who's going to stir up a praise because it's time for war. Amen. Amen. This is what I'm getting at. There's a little saying that we, that we allow to leave our lips. We say things like, we're quick to say things like, the devil is trying to take my family. The devil is trying to take my ministry. Have y'all heard that before? The devil is trying to take my life. The devil is trying to take my children. And if this is you, brother, I got news for you. Sister, I got news for you. The devil didn't give it to you, and the devil can't take it away. Come on, somebody. The devil didn't give you a reason to praise God, so he can't take it away. The devil didn't give you your family, and the devil can't take it away. The devil didn't give you a praise on the inside, so the devil can't stop it from coming on the outside. The devil didn't give it, and the devil didn't take it away. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. But we have another problem. We have another problem. Some of us are too dignified and content when it comes to praising God. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. And I'm here to declare tonight that this is the end of an era where our praise is less than what God has called it to be. This is the end of an era where Satan gets created for the destruction from our tongue because our tongue speaks life and death. And it's it's time to speak life into our worship. So one thing I just want to point out while I'm closing, I will say that in this story, it points out that Paul and Silas were were doing the works, and they cast the demonic spirit out of a damsel, and they were in prison, and they let out a shout. They let out a praise and worship, and everything was loosed and fell off, and the, gates, and the gates of the prison fell. But Paul and Silas wasn't the only one locked up. They weren't the only one locked up. In verse, let me see. I'm sorry. In verse, 20, in verse 27, it says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried out with a voice, saying, Do not do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And I spake unto him, the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all of his straight way. Yeah. I'll just leave you with that. Um, it's a, I, I meant to point this out, but I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. I'm just going to leave you with this. Insecurity shouldn't stop you from praising God the way that you were meant to be. Come on, that's right. Some, <laughs> okay. In this time of day, young people, it even happens with adults, we get, we get so caught in people looking at us and looking at us crazy. Well, uh, yeah. I'm sorry to break the news, but we're in Potts Camp. All of us are crazy. Woo! I will say yeah. that. So <laughs> if it stops you from running aisles and up here shouting, I mean, you probably need to break away from those people anyway. But here's the thing. You can either choose to break away from them or you can choose to stay in that situation because of the simple fact that when you praise, everything on your road begins to shout. When you praise, everything in this building let, get lights on fire. I'm going to leave you with that. Is Brother Eli's coming? Oh, Brother Aaron Hughes, I'm sorry. Praise the Lord, everybody. Can we all give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Just... Praise Him, worship Him, 
practice what was preached. I praise you. I thank you, Jesus. I'm going to praise you through every single storm I go through. I'm going to praise you through everything, through everything. Anxiety isn't going to take it. No fear is going to take my praise. I'm going to praise through everything. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I want to give honor to the bishop and the pastor and my youth pastor for allowing me this opportunity. I love this church. I love this church. This church is so great. It's filled with so many great people, and I love our youth group. I love each and every single one of y'all. I thank y'all because y'all are always checking on me, looking after me. I thank y'all so much. All right. We live in a very needy, need-based world, and everything is so quick. We never, ever slow down. We're always so consumed with thoughts and feelings, and, and you wonder why there's so much anxiety in the world. Everything is moving so quick. Nobody ever slows down. Nobody ever stops and thinks. Nobody ever th thinks of what's going what's gonna to happen or what they actually need to do now. They're so worried about what's coming up. We live in a world where everything is convenient. You have it right there at your fingertips. If you want to know where Chick-fil-A is, just ask Siri. She'll tell you. And she'll give you three different ways to get there. <laughs> she'll tell you exactly how long every single route is. and might even tell you where to stop. <laughs> but the point is, is we never have to wait for anything. We're always on the go. We never stop. We never, we never make time for anything because we're always going. It's just the culture around us. We've, we've all adapted to going and never, ever stop. I've had a word that's been in my spirit for quite a long time now. I forgot to start my timer. I guess now's the time that I can ask, can I get five more minutes? Um, so th this word that's been in my spirit for so long, it, it's, it's been months now. It's wait. Wait. And by wait, I'm not talking about the kind of waiting that you do in the doctor's office whenever they bring you in there and you got to sit down and sit amongst some people you don't even know and you just kind of look at them awkwardly like... And you put your head down. No, that's not the type of waiting that I'm talking about. Waiting is an action. Okay, waiting is not passive. Th this type of waiting that I'm talking about, sure, in that sense, it, sitting in the doctor's office and whatever, waiting, yeah, that, that might be passive, but it's active in this sense. The Bible makes it active. So in Isaiah 40 and 31, if Sister Michelle will get that, y'all don't have to stand. Um, The word of the Lord says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs> and here's what's crazy. That word wait right there in that scripture 
It means to bind together in the Hebrew language. That don't sound like sit still. That doesn't sound like wait on God to do something for you. You're just going to sit there. Uh -uh. One thing that I've learned is that this point of waiting, it, it means to sit in prayer and wait, but not just sit. I mean, you sit there and seek God the entire time in prayer. That's what waiting is meant to be. We're meant to wait in prayer, not wait and just sit there and do nothing. We're not called to do nothing. We're called to do something. And one of our main purposes is just to pray. So why are we always waiting in that sense? And some people don't even wait. They won't ever find any time to wait. Because they're so busy. I can't stop and wait. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time. But that's where this word wait comes, comes into play. It means to bind together. In, in a sense, to me, that means bind yourself. Stop yourself. Bind yourself together. Get yourself under control. I did this just the other day. I took away my phone. I, I, I put it in my car, and then I left my watch in my car because my watch gives me information. Your phone gives you all kinds of information. If you want to know something about somebody, just go to Facebook. It's all over it. But the thing is, is you've got to put things aside. Bind yourself away from things that you've been into for a while and just wait. Go and get into prayer. I sat there and laid in the floor and just prayed underneath my breath until I felt released. I had to feel a release in the waiting. I didn't just sit there and do nothing. I prayed as I waited. And I wasn't going to leave that spot until something happened. That's where we've got to be. We've got to find ourselves in a waiting room waiting for God to do something. And I'm going to pray until it happens. There's a story in the Bible, and it's, it has to do with Peter being in, in prison. I forget his name. I think it was Herod. King Herod locked Peter up in prison just after they killed James. And they were going to try to kill him this night. But there was a church. There was a people that decided to bind themselves up together. Together. It does say bind together. That's what that word wait means. They bound themselves up together in prayer. And they didn't leave that spot until they heard an answer. Until they found out that God had delivered. Until God had changed something. Until God had moved on that situation where it seemed so hopeless. So God sends an angel. Brings Peter out of prison. Peter goes up to the door at at Mary's house and knocks and the girl was amazed because she just heard Peter's voice we've waited all this time and God did something 
All it takes is waiting. Bind yourself together. Imagine the power that we could have. Imagine the the anointing that would come out of it if we bound ourselves, put ourselves in a prayer room and prayed. Prayed for the souls that are lost in this city. Prayed for the people who were hurt and lost. Praying for the people who need Jesus. There's people who have cancer that I know of today. And if we would just bind together... It says where two or three are gathered. Oh. So that word is wait. And, it's, and the way it's been speaking to me in this time isn't wait. It's not wait. It's not just wait. It's not real quiet. It's really loud and it's urgent. There's an urgency for us to pray. The way it sounds in my spirit isn't wait. It's wait! Wait! Slow down! Slow down! Take everything off of your agenda and just pray. Just pray. I just need you to pray. Put everything away and wait on me. I will do it, but you've just got to wait. You've got to pray. Get down on your knees. Crucify yourself. Get on your knees and say, God, I'm not leaving this spot until you do it. I'm not going to leave until you deliver my family. I'm not going to leave until you bring my child home. I'm not going to leave until you do this miracle for me. I need you, Lord. I need you. And in that point of desperation, that's where God's going to move. That's where God's going to change. So I challenge you, wait, wait on God to do it. He's willing and able, but you've got to slow yourself down. Get out of your head, get out of your own life and focus on the Lord of all who's willing and able to do it. Are you willing to put yourself aside just so that God can do what he wants to do? And I'm going to hand it over to Brother Eli. Thank you all for this opportunity. Praise the Lord, church. What a word. What a timely word for a hungry youth group, a hungry church. People who are ready, who are willing to serve, who are getting into this thing head on. They're not slowing down. They're not stopping. They're going all the way. I don't have a scripture today, and I've started my timer. Bishop, I love you, and I appreciate you so much. You've invested in me more than anybody else in here knows. Sister Pat, you too. I wouldn't be here without you, honestly. I don't just say that to give honor. I'm serious. I would not be here without you, and I love you, and I appreciate you so much. That's right. Give the bishop a hand. Pastor V., I wouldn't be here without him. His vision, his, what he saw in me, no one else did. When I was barely getting in this thing, I love and I appreciate him. Brother Austin, his leadership and his drive for young people. So I don't have a scripture, as I mentioned, but I do have a thought. Before, before I begin, I just want you to know that I love all of you. Y'all know that, right? All right, okay, okay. It's true. I love you guys. I really do. 
It's hard not to love without the love of God within you. Now, I question people who don't love but say they have the Holy Ghost. But that's for a different conversation. All right, youth group. Do you all love me? Just, just nod your head. You love me? Okay. I just need to clear the air before I get into my word because it's, I've got some meat for us today. But I need to make sure that y'all know I'm not in the flesh. I love you guys. This is what God has put on my heart. So let me begin with this thought. The altar still works. Devin, you preached a masterpiece. Whenever we come to the altar, we lay things down that have been hindering us, and we pick things up that God has placed there for us. The altar still works, but let me remind you that the altar is not a pretty place. when, When you come to the altar, things have to die. Things are sacrificed here at the altar. You don't come here. I don't come here at the altar. My God. Here's the thing. Bishop, if I'm out of line, you wave me out. We have turned the altar into a spiritual strip club. We come for a feeling. We pay our dues. We get in. We say, all right, what can I get out of this thing? What can I get? What's going to satisfy my needs, my agenda? But let me remind you that you die at an altar. Things die at an altar. When I come to an altar, I lay down my agenda. I lay down my life. I lay down everything that I think that I am. I die here. I don't come for a feeling. I don't come to satisfy this flesh. I come to die. And so the altar takes faith. Okay, the altar takes faith. Here's another thing. The altar isn't a spiritual fashion show. Yes, I believe in holiness and modesty, and I believe in looking nice for God. But we don't come here to be seen. Brother Austin preached a masterpiece in the youth. We don't pray to be, to be heard, and we don't pray to be seen either. We come to seek the face of God and to hear the voice of God. And may I submit to you some, something that, is, that God has really, really pressed on my heart here in the past few days and weeks. We have the courage to willingly sin and disobey God. We know the, 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 the spiritual morals and the principles that we live by. We don't do this because it's unholy. We don't, we, don't, we don't do certain things because they're unholy. But whenever we mess up, and I get it, we're human beings. We're going to mess up. You cannot expect yourself to be perfect. Let me give you guys a little grace and mercy before I come into this other word. You are going to mess up. It's, it's, just, that, it's just that simple. You're not perfect. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. But that's the thing. He, it's not as well that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everyone, the, the sinner, the saint, the high, the low. But whenever we sin, we have the courage to willingly sin and disobey the voice of God. We hear conviction knocking at our hearts. Eli, you know you don't need to be doing that. Why are you doing that? It goes against everything you've ever learned, everything you've been taught. And then you still step into it. What do you do? If you're a kid like me, you probably feel sorry for yourself. You come to an altar. You sit here. You say, God, I'm not worthy. No, yeah, you're right. You're not worthy. But the thing is, you weren't worthy to begin with, Eli. That's why I died for you is because you couldn't pay for this thing yourself. Your sin, it was too dirty. Your, your righteousness was as filthy rags. You couldn't do it alone. You were never worthy to begin with. So that, that's not the case at all. So whenever you sin and you come to an altar, you say, God, I'm not worthy. I know I'm not worthy. But that's the thing. If you have the courage to willingly sin, you better have the courage to run to an altar. When you hear the voice of conviction banging at your heart and you say, I'm 
I'm going to disobey you, God, because I've got my agenda. I've got things I want to do. I want to satisfy my flesh. And, and you sin, you better have the same courage you had when you sinned against God wherever you were, in a crack house, in a dope house, in a strip club, as mentioned earlier, wherever you were. If you have the courage to sin against Almighty God, you better have the courage to run to an altar and repent. As I'm getting ready to close, Brother Wiley, you can be getting ready. I have just the last point or two to make. I've gone a little over my time, 30 seconds to be exact. Uh, um, we have the direction. Aaron preached a masterpiece. Waiting is not simply sitting around. God, what are you going to do for me today? What am I going to wear? What's next? What, what am I going to, when am I going to get a, a raise at my job? No, it's being in the will of God. It's praying. It's seeking his face to know him, to get a relationship with him. Because if not, you're working iniquity. If you're just doing it for your own gain and because I want to feel good about myself, even if you, you know, I've got this little saying where you can be sincerely wrong. You can have the correct intention but still be wrong. You can have the correct intention to get closer to God, but if it's for you, and that's something that God was dealing with me with for a long time, was, God, I'm trying to reach my next level of ministry. Why, Eli? Is it because you want to get closer to me or because you want to have this vain glory, all this pride, this iniquity? Do you want the eyes on you? And I don't, believe me. If you know me, you know I don't like talking to, to crowds, and I don't like talking to a lot of people, but why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to grow closer to him? Or is it for vain glory? Otherwise, you can. Amen. Come on, lift your voice for a moment. God, we love you. Lord, we glorify your name, Jesus. Lord, you're mighty, you're awesome. Come on, lift up some praise in here, Jesus. We love you, Father. We magnify your name, Jesus. God, you're awesome, you're great, you're worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before I get started, I'll. Take this time to give honor to my bishop, my pastor, my youth pastor. If it wasn't for their wisdom and their knowledge speaking into my life, I really don't know where I would be today at this time. If you would please stand in honor of the reading of the word. I'll be going to Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. It's just one verse. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. You may be seated. Tonight my subject is seasons. You'll never truly know what season you're going through or what new year that you're in. It finds that in Acts 1 and 7, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own power. Fleshly you will know the season on the earth and the year, but spiritually you will never know the season that you're in. Seasons in life spiritually will change on you more than an earthly season will. If you want to know what determine what season you're in, it's the relationship that you have with the Heavenly Father. If you want a good season spiritually, have a good relationship with God. You can have a season that lasts for a while. But maybe that season will last over a year or so. But in time, it will come to an end. You can't 
get a new season and have a last year's praise. You can't get a new season and have a last year's worship. You can't go to a new season and have the same old prayer life that you had. Five minutes while you're driving down the road and trying to step into a season, then it's going to combine together. Having that same old patty cake worship while you're at the altar trying to step into a season isn't going to go together. You don't get something new and have the same old look on it. Once you buy something new, there's a new look to it. There's a new smell to it. There's always something better in the new than it was in the old. That's just like when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. The Bible says you will come up a new creature. You won't be the same old person anymore. People in the world may see you as the same old person that has walked the face of this earth. But God will see you as a new creature. Human being that's walking the face of this earth. Start this new walk. Get the new life of God. Start something new in yourself. Don't be something that someone tells you you are. Come on, I know you feel that. You can't be new and hold on to old things. You can't be a new creature and hold on to the same old chains. You can't be a new person and have the same boundaries that you walked into. You can't have a new anointing and only take that same old step that you take. Be a new you, not a new you that with the same old look on it. Like I said earlier, you might buy something new with this but it don't have the same look or smell. You can't buy a car and have the same smell in it. There's a new smell in it. There's not and a new look on it. It might have the same exact name on it, but there's a new look to it. Don't be someone who holds on to the old things in life. There's a past, a present, and a future. Those are three different things you step through in life. The past being something that happens back then that happened yesterday, not today. The present is what's happening at the moment, what you're going through right now. The future is being what's going on, what's going to happen, what's to come in your life. You have to let go of your past to get to your present. You have to let go of your present to step into your future. Year by year, season by season, minute by minute, you feel like something is going on and you don't know what the next turn is. We all know the story of David and Goliath. The Israelites were in war with the Philistines. The war went on for many days. They couldn't take a step forward because there was a big giant in front of them. They seen their future, but they couldn't get to it because they didn't have the strength to slay the giant. You have giants in your life, but you don't have enough strength to step up and face what's going on. You'll look at it all day long, but you won't say nothing to it. You'll watch it crush your marriage. You'll watch it crush your kids, but you won't say nothing to it. You'll watch it drag your life into the mud. You'll watch it drag your name coming through the muck and the miry clay, but you won't ever say nothing to it. But you'll say something to somebody when they say you have a problem in your life, but you won't face down the giants in your life. When something wrong's going on in the world, you'll say something about it. When you don't like that president or that politician, you'll say something to it. But you won't say nothing to the giants that is dragging your own children down. That's dragging your own marriage down. What seemed like old shepherd boy to the giant 
coming to feed them lunch was a giant slayer in God's eyes. We all know how the story ends of David and Goliath. He grabbed five stones, the slingshot of his pocket through one and hit him right in the head. What I'm getting at is this. God had to call someone in that wasn't even supposed to be in the war to take down the giant. So what I'm telling you tonight is calling God when you don't know what to do anymore. Calling somebody that has shed his blood on Calvary for you. That has walked and got the cat of nine tails on his back. That has walked through hell on earth and knows what it feels like to be spit on. First name to be backlash, to have nails in his hands, nails in his feet, a spear in his side, and the blood draining down. Quit holding on to it yourself because you can't do it. You have a testimony. You know where you came. You know where you've been. And how'd you get through it? You called on God. You called on the King of Kings. You called on the Lord of Lords. You said, God, I'm pleading with you right now. I can't do it on my own. They had to call in an old shepherd boy. They didn't have no idea what was going on. They didn't have no idea about war. To kill the giant in their situation. To kill the giant to get to their future. To kill the giant to get their land back. So what I'm telling you tonight is call God in to kill the giants in your life as you're standing I'm, I'm, I'm calling an altar call right now I really don't have any clothes and that was it but there's somebody in here that you're looking at a future but you can't get to it because there's a giant standing in your way and you have a praise and a worship like Brother Devin preached a while ago that you can let go and you can kill the giant you can slay whatever's holding you back every brick wall that's in your way it's just like the windows in this sanctuary we can see outside that it's dark but it's light in here but as long as we stay in this it's going to be dark outside but as soon as we step outside those doors it'll turn dark but what am I saying is as soon as you kill the giant in your life and you get to the destination that you want to be and in God's will things will begin to change in your season things will begin to change in your life your worship won't be the same anymore your anointing won't be the same anymore your calling won't be the same anymore but don't hold on to past events and past mistakes that has gone on in your life that hold you back from stepping into a calling don't hold on to something that's dragging you down don't hold on nothing that's holding you down, that's slowing your walk down. I know I said it Sunday night, I kind of got into it, but don't hold on to the weights of sin. Don't hold on to the weights of your life. Let go, let God, let, let God do something in your life. Lift your hands, just touch God. God, I love you, Jesus. God, I worship your Father. God, I want to feel your presence again, God. God, I want to be a new creature in your spirit. I want to be a new creature in your anointing, God. God, fill my heart. Touch my spirit, God. God, move on me right now, Jesus. God, there's something bigger and better for me, God. God, there's a deeper anointing, God. God, there's a better prayer life than I have, God. God, I'm sitting here. I'm waiting on you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, the Holy Ghost is beginning to move into this place. The Holy Ghost is beginning to minister on somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, let us get through the seasons of life. God, let us get through whatever we're going through right now.
God, let us plead the blood over our family, God. God, I plead the blood over family in this church, God. God, every adult that hears this message, God. God, every young person that's going through something. God, whoever's watching this on video later, God, I plead the blood over them, Jesus. God, move on their life, God. God, move on their family. God, move on their situation, Jesus. God, have your way like you can, God. God, you're the way maker, God. God, you're the way maker, God. Come on, let's just exhort in this right now. Come on, let's just move in this right now. Have your way on us, Jesus. Have your way on us, God. Minister to our hearts right now, Jesus. God, minister to our souls right now, Jesus. Have your way in my spirit. Have your way on my 